0: Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you asked me a question on my Q and A's, on Instagram stories? If you haven't, race over there after you're done with this, ask me a question, jump in and participate in that extraordinary conversation. Um, Today, you're gonna get the insight from four agents doing millions and millions and millions of dollars a year in GCI. You know, I was very blessed in the early days of my career where I was able to sit down and interview for over the course of three years, every single month, one agent that was doing an extraordinary amount of production, whether it was selling 100 homes or 200 homes or 500 homes or earning six, five, four, ten million $10 million a year in commissions. If you had the chance to sit down with four people earning probably an average of $7 million in commissions, what questions would you ask? Well, those questions and more were asked on this podcast where I got into the head and into the strategy of Jill Biggs, extraordinary agent from Hoboken, New Jersey, Tim Smith from Newport Beach, California, Josh Rubin from New York City, and Kyle Whistle from San Diego, California. Enjoy the podcast. So we got just about uh, $32 million in gross commission income sitting right here between the four of them. Can we give them a huge, well-deserved round of applause? Now, did they just wake up one day and they were born to suddenly be doing this? What do you guys think? No, I've asked each of them to share in three or four minutes a little bit about the journey because each of us will go through the same journey in building our business. So let's start with Jill Biggs, Coal Banker, Hoboken, New Jersey. You standing or sitting, whatever you wanna do, baby, the stage is yours, tell us your story. Jill Biggs, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Hi guys, so uh, last year I was super rehearsed and, and forgot what I was saying, and this year I'm, I'm not rehearsed. So. I am, for all of you guys, somebody who used to be a New York City nightclub bartender, not a business person, just um, you know a people person. I took the bartending and when I outgrew it, I opened a children's clothing and toy store in a town called Hoboken. Some of you are here from Hoboken. And I run a 28 person team in Hoboken and Jersey City. So I had this, this children's store and I sold my children's store, took a year off, came back unemployed, but I had a database. So I used my database, it was 7,000 women who liked me, I dressed their children, and they gave me their buildings. They, they trusted me because I dressed their children, and you know how women are, and, and I hit the ground running. So I never really had any bad time, or any horror stories there. However, I got to a point where I was doing about 60 deals by myself, an individual agent, and I decided that I was working every moment of every single day, and I mean every moment of every day, and I decided I was going to do something else, so I went and I decided I needed a coach, and I looked at, uh, I don't know, the five different coaching systems that I could find at this point, Brian Buffini. Mike Ferry, Core, and I went and I watched Tom twice um, before he signed me. And if I had it to do it again, I would have started with him at the beginning because he's taken me from 60 when I began in uh, in 2011 to. Uh, to last year I did 340 deals and this year to date I'm at 255 and I will end the year somewhere in the 400s. So so,
0: so, so, Jill, I know I'm interrupting your story, but was there a moment that you had where it was like enough is enough? Like, What, what is that moment when you finally say, that's it? Getting to 60 transactions is good, yes or no, guys? Like, I mean, that is no tall order. That is serious business. But when you're doing it all alone, it's rough. So what was that moment? And then what were the first two or three steps? Because I'm looking around this room, there's a lot of really good agents inside here. What were some of those first two or three steps that elevated it to this sort of unbelievable level?
1: So I guess the moment for me was I was missing everything. I mean, I really missed so much of my children because I also have four kids. At my kid's graduation, she said, mom, if you text anyone while I'm graduating, that's it. So I, I, you know, it was time that either I went and I connected a little bit with my children or I wasn't gonna have any of that. And I, you said to me, you gotta have an assistant. And I hired myself a full-time assistant. So that was, was earth shattering. It changed my whole life and, and I was able to do more. And then I got to a point I was doing like 90 deals and he became my first agent. And then from there, we hired more agents and we added more support staff as, as we grew. So, and we're still growing. I will say that I make so many mistakes.
0: Share with us two or three mistakes.
1: Pay your taxes. <laughs> right? And I, I, listen, I'm, I'm not kidding. You want to talk not about, kidding. about really having a crippling situation? I'm sure some of you don't plan, right? You do that real estate thing where you have a lot of money and you spend it, right? And then you're broke. Well. Pay your taxes, because it took me several years and a lot of pain and suffering to get to where I I didn't wake up in the middle of the night about that. Another pitfall, and and maybe this is later in, in, in team growth for some of you, don't let people linger, right? If you have somebody on your team that needs to go, be it support staff be it an agent we tend to especially those of us that feel like we want to be nice we let them stay until they go off on their own and that hurts your team I mean I've had that situation and I think at this point if things aren't going well trim the fat sounds not nice um, the other thing the biggest thing actually that I learned this year to date was my cost per transaction and I People think that they know their cost per transaction, but this year I I took every single dime that I spent and I attribute it either to the buy side or to the listing side. And I was doing this really nice thing, which is why I have such great retention of my team would get a lead. And I would go with them on on the listing appointment, I would do all the work, I would speak, I would stage, sometimes carrying the furniture myself, and I would give them half of the money. And Tom said to me, you're not making any money. So I had to go back to my team and change change my structure a bit. And at this point now, you know, when I go on the appointment, I've now created a listing team. If you're on the listing team and you go and get the listing yourself without me, then we're taking that listing cost off of the top and then we're splitting, as opposed to the other way where I'm paying for everything, you're getting paid and I'm ending up with nothing. So I think pay attention to, to what your costs are.
0: Okay, share one more thing because you've also done something that you've done recently, which is you put your team on notice, right? How, how many of you raise your hands if you have a team or you're on a team? Raise your hands really high. Okay, so you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I called you out, you called them out, tell them.
1: Yeah, so this is our first year also where we have minimum standards. And I started to implement that and I told everybody, here's your plan, this is the number of deals, you know. But I wasn't really hardcore about it. About three months ago, I had a meeting with them because I was a little bit frustrated. And I said, some of you, right are at, in this place and if you don't close this number by this date you're gone we lost one agent right and i'm i'm talking about all those people that are doing or or the people that are doing the least in, uh, number of transactions on your team typically they're taking the most energy and the most amount of time right you have to help them those people on your team that know their shit and are doing well they don't need anything from you they're going to keep running so way better to have less people. And this is a lesson for me, right? Less people doing more than having, you know, this huge number of people where some of them are miserable.
0: Awesome. Grab your seat. Give her a nice round of applause. Bunch of little... We, we, we went East Coast. Let's go West Coast and we'll go East Coast and we'll finish with West Coast.
2: Wes. All right. Um, So I come from a real estate family. And when you hear that, a lot of times you're like, oh, you get everything handed to you. That's the first assumption that everybody makes. Um, But in all honesty, I fucking hated real estate my whole life growing up. Um, My dad was the typical person who did the 70 hour work week. It's not healthy. If any of you guys are doing 70 hour work weeks, stop. You will burn yourself into the ground and you will ruin relationships with your family. So there's a lesson right there. Don't be that person. Um, So, my whole life growing up, my dad was always super busy, always busy with real estate. Parents were divorced. Um, So, my dad, there would be days where I was supposed to be with him and he wouldn't show up or he would show up late or wouldn't show up for the soccer game or the basketball game, all of that stuff. And I despised real estate growing up. I actually hated it. I never in a million years thought I would work in the real estate industry. Um, But when I was in college, my dad was pushing me, he's like, you need to buy something, you need to buy something, you need to buy something. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then they put a mirror under my nose, I fogged it, they gave me a half a million dollar loan, no money down. I was scooping popcorn at a movie theater, it was crazy. Um, Bought this place, three months later sold it, made $17,000. And so I was like, I got a $17,000 check, and I just got a nickel an hour raise scooping popcorn at a movie theater. And I was like, all right, let's talk about real estate, dad. (laughs) (laughs) It's a no-brainer, right? It's a shitload of money when you're in college. Um, So then I worked with my dad on the commercial side of things for about five or six years. We did a lot of stuff um, selling apartment buildings to people that would convert them to condos. So they would buy a giant apartment building, gut them, make them pretty, sell them off individually, make a shitload of money. It was a beautiful thing. The problem that started occurring in our city in San Diego was that there was no rentals left. So the city cut that off and said, You cannot convert apartments to condos anymore. They put rules in place that made it impossible. And so all of my investors were coming to me saying like, hey, I can't buy these apartments anymore because I can't make any money on them if I can't convert them. And so I started looking around at what was happening in the market. And my investors were like, well, what about this foreclosure? What about this short sale? And I looked around and I saw these people that had 100 REO listings, 200 short sale listings. And I was like, this commercial thing's cool. These five, six figure checks are beautiful. But getting checks like that in your early 20s, it's really hard to be responsible with them. We had a lot of good times in Vegas, Um, very, very fun times. Um, But I decided, you know what, I want to go on the residential side. And there's an agent in San Diego, Greg Newman. I remember getting a postcard from him and it said something along the lines of, we sell a house a day. And I was like, that's bullshit. That's impossible. Like nobody could possibly ever do that. And so I'm gonna take you on the path of how we got to that when growing our business. So I left my dad, jumped over to the residential side. I said, dad, it's been real, but we were printing properties out for clients and then putting a post-it note over the other agent's name and then stamping our name on top of it and then faxing it to the other agent. I was like, I can't do this anymore, dad. I appreciate everything I've learned. Jumped out on my own. Um, One of the big lessons I've always learned and followed is if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. You guys have got to stop doing assistant work. If any of you guys are ever out dropping flyers at doors, like in my old neighborhood, a homeless guy did that for a realtor. Like think about what you're doing with your time. Like if you're doing stuff that you could hire a homeless person or a high school kid to do, like you need to hire that out. So you need to have an assistant. The little exercise I've always learned is called red light, yellow light, green light. Take everything that you do in your business, everything you love to do and always want to do, highlight that in green. Everything you hate to do and never want to do again as long as you live, highlight that in red, and everything that's left over, make it yellow. Everything in red, you just built your job description for your first assistant. And now as your assistant gets better, you can start adding some of those yellow tasks on until they hit capacity. When they hit capacity, now you go through that same exercise with your assistant, red light, yellow light, green light, hire the next person. For me, that was a buyer's agent. Then it was a transaction coordinator. And then we kept growing and growing. And now we're at a point where I have 10 people on staff. I have a sales manager and an operations manager. Sales manager is the one who's coaching the agents, helping them through everything. The operations manager is building all the charts, graphs, spreadsheets, all of that stuff. I have a finance manager to just make sure all my money is dialed in, all the bills get paid on time. That's important. Um, You need to have good credit because We're coming into a market where there might be a lot of opportunities to buy, and if your credit's jacked up, you're not going to be able to buy those opportunities. So make sure that your credit's dialed in. That's something important a lot of people don't think about. Um, And then we have two transaction managers. We've got two media and marketing managers, so there's been a lot of talk about video. We have two people full time. All they do is shoot photo and video on our team, which is huge because we see the opportunity with that. We want to put out a massive, massive amount of content when it comes to the video thing. Um, One of the bigger lessons, though, because I know that's the goal here, um, we work in an industry where we have the ability to make NFL money. Like this stage, right? There's $32 million on this stage right now. We have the opportunity to make NFL money, but we've got to put NFL effort in if we want to make that money. Those guys practice two to 3,000 hours a year so that they can perform for 16 hours of game time on that field. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you guys role play? your listing presentation at least once a week. So there's maybe 15 hands in this entire room. Whoa! Think about that, guys. There's, what, 1,000, 2,000 people in this room, 15 role playing on a weekly basis. Think about when you're going into that listing appointment against five other people, the probability of any of them ever practicing that presentation is, I mean, what's the math on that? Less than a percent, right? So if you take the time and really practice your craft, role-play your phone conversations, role-play your appointments, practice everything that you do, and put that NFL effort into what you do, you can make NFL money in this industry.
0: Love it. Beautiful. East Coast, West Coast, East Coast.
3: Hey, guys. I'm Josh Rubin, uh, born and raised in Philadelphia, moved to New York in 1994 with, uh, you know, couple hundred bucks in my pocket, moved with a U-Haul, and uh, got into the business around 97, 98, and um, basically I was just an individual agent, and I was basically being spoon-fed listings for my rental manager with bait-and-switch ads in the back of the New York Times and the Village Voice. I transitioned after I realized I wanted to make a career out of it over to Corcoran, uh, worked directly under Barbara Corcoran for a number of years. She sold the company, as many of you know, around 2006 for about $68 million to a little company called NRT. Uh, it's now a part of uh, Realogy. However, when that happened, uh, the business, well, I should say the, the mentality and the culture of Corcoran kind of shifted from being the most organic of the sort of big three companies in New York City. Uh, Barbara segued out and uh, I went to work uh, with Chris Peters, Howard Lorber, and Dottie Herman at a little company called Douglas Elliman. Um, and uh, I moved over in uh, a very fine year that many of you will remember as the deepest, darkest days of our memory uh, in finance. and That's January 1st of 2008. Uh, for those who were sleeping that year, uh, in September of 2008, Lehman Brothers went under and the world basically changed overnight. Uh, my income dropped by two-thirds. Uh, I was drowning in debt at one point. um, I found out in February 2009 uh, as the markets were going down by between 500 and 1,000 points a day that we were pregnant with uh, our third of uh, three wonderful happy human beings, uh, Danny, Max, and Sarah. Um, I went to the bank that day and I realized that I had $6 in my checking account uh, in addition to the $600,000 that I had in debt I had a family of uh, four at the time um, and two cars in the driveway on mortgage. I was uh, teetering on the brink of uncertainty. Bankruptcy was never an option. Uh, filing, you know, walking away from my house was never an option. So I put on my gloves and I got into the ring and I fought like hell. And now I'm a millionaire. So the saying uh, "necessity is the mother of invention" goes without saying, um, because I had no other choice. Um, I fought. I built my business one step at a time. I got back to basics, and I I looked around and I modeled myself after people in in my market, and I saw what they were doing different. Um, And as Kyle mentioned, if you know, if you're putting up the signs in your neighborhood, or if you're stuffing envelopes. Um, If if you're doing things that aren't really productive uses of your time and aren't profit center activities, then you should delegate those things. And so I started to do that. First, I hired an assistant. And then the next day, I hired another assistant because that assistant left in tears. Um, um, The second assistant came in and didn't know what a 5160 label was when we went to do a mailing. So I fired that assistant, then I hired another assistant uh, who was wearing a vest and eyeliner, which my manager didn't really approve of because he was a boy. Um, um, And um, I went through about eight to 10 assistants over six to 12 months and finally found one that wanted to be a buyer's agent as well and he needed some uh, more immediate income, so we made it work for about a year and a half. And then in October of 2012, uh, I hired another assistant. Um, I knew that she was a keeper because she came in on Sunday as the wind was moving in on Hurricane Sandy. Uh, It was one of the worst storms to ever hit the New York area in the last, well, as long as I can remember. In fact, we didn't have power in my house for two and a half weeks uh, following that storm. But I met Lindsey Kurtz uh, she's been one of the greatest things to happen to me, uh, second only to my meeting my wife and having my kids. Um, in fact, I refer to her as my office wife. So um, lindsay has been really a, a, a great rock in, in my business. Um, but one of the key drivers to my business has been um, finding um, mailings and how to be successful with them. And so I started super, super small um, it was sort of like a, uh, like, a, like a little test. And I chose a very small area within Greenwich Village to start this test. And um, I realized pretty quickly that it's not gonna be all about me. It's gotta be about the community. It's gotta be about what's happening there. And you have to be recognized as the expert. And you have to be willing and committed uh, on, the, on the investment side, just like anything in success. Um, so um, I started small. I got one listing from that listing. Um, I got another listing from that listing. I uh, sold somebody I met there another listing and so on and so forth. So it just sort of snowballed like you were talking about, right? You mentioned the snowballing of the positive energy. Um, and so I expanded into other neighborhoods and. Manhattan as you probably know is a, is a pretty unique market because here you might have a community with 20, 50, 100, 200 homes. There on, uh, in an area where you might have two homes in most suburban markets, you'll have 350 because it's a vertical market, right? We have co-ops and condo buildings with two, three, even 500 apartments in one building. So you can hit a lot of people with one mailing but it's gotta be effective. And so I built that into um, a pretty significant pillar within my business. The ROI on that consistently, depending on market conditions, is anywhere between four to 600, 650%. Um, And so uh, we've done pretty well so far.
0: Okay, I'm Um, interjecting. How many mailers do you send in a typical month?
3: uh, It depends on what I'm doing at any given neighborhood, but uh, it's gotta be anywhere between 50 and 70,000 individual pieces. So Say,
0: Say to your buddy, 70,000 mailers a month. I just don't think they heard that and understood.
3: Yeah, that's seven zero comma now, zero now, zero zero. Don't miss any zeros.
0: Now, as you can imagine with this charismatic, insanely passionate presentation. <laughs> he's my personal client, I love this dude. We figured out a long time ago, whoever does the most marketing wins. And this guy kills it. He figured out one or two things and you killed it. Right. And I go to New York City and I talk to people that live there and they're like, you coach Josh Rubin, tell them, okay, I got it. Yeah, I got it, I yeah. know, <laughs> I got it.
3: In fact, the woman from this morning uh, from Salesforce, um, she said "You know, she gets like two or three mailers a day and I said, one of them's gotta be mine.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so what would you say was the evolution of the team? Hey, it's Tom. Go to Apple Podcast and write a review. It means the world to me. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show.
3: The evolution of the team—it's a great question, and I wouldn't just pick anybody who comes to me and says they want to be on my team, or you know, how can they be on a team? Um, personality is really important, and it's—it's it's, I would say more important in some ways than choosing your spouse because your spouse you're going to have interactions with maybe what accumulative two to six hours a day in the morning and the evening. But these are people that you spend, what, six, maybe 12 hours a day with sometimes, right? So, you know,
2: um,
3: in fact, my husband is in the audience there. So, (laughs) So, um, no, in all seriousness, uh, I think the right people on a team are people that don't have an ego because they're gonna see you know, a lot of things happening around them that some of which they might be a part of, some of the, which they might not be a part of. And if, if there's a sense of jealousy, then it's gonna ruin everything and it could be the poison pill for the entire team. Um, so, you know, and you mentioned earlier, you know, mistakes. There have been mistakes made by hiring people just because they were hungry and ambitious and wanted to be on the team. And they came in with, you know, just the totally wrong attitude I've had people show up with uh, you know, addiction problems, um, you know, commit to doing open houses and not showing up to open houses and the sellers are living in these homes saying, hey, it's me, where's your agent? I have people buzzing my intercom and I'm showing my apartment and uh, you know, it's not a good look and it really impacts your reputation. And by the way, there are two things that you can't get back in life. One of them is your reputation and the second one is your time, two of the most precious commodities.
0: I agree. Great point Josh. Thank you so much. Buddy. That was awesome. East Coast, West Coast and back to the West Coast.
4: So it's funny cuz you can hear what can you hear me back there? I don't know, talk. Cuz we couldn't hear back there but we could hear. it. So I'm going to let you I'm going to do a really quick glimpse cuz you yeah. know like Yeah. And then I wanted you, you this, this is, is your Q&A. flock going, And I was one Q&A. of the flock. I was one of the little misled sheep back in 2008 that his assistant said to him that everybody's probably heard this story so I'll So I will spare you, my assistant who wasn't good at math, who she hates when I say that, she's not with me anymore. Um, Now she has twin five-year-olds and she just wants to be a mom, which is amazing. But anyway, she said to me during 2008 when we had like 35 listings, a bunch of unrealistic sellers, uh, the market was free falling. She said, you can either pay me or you can pay your rent, but you can't do both this month. And so I went to a Tom Ferry seminar, and I was literally born again. June fourteenth, two thousand eighteen. So that was my birthday. Two thousand
0: eight. Sorry, two thousand eighteen. I was like, Wait a minute. and I had a
4: big <laughs> shift. That's where I became the best agent in the world. I believe that, but I don't know. As long as we believe that, and our Identity. listing presentation believes that, that's what it's all about, right? Even though Kyle's probably better, but I still believe I'm better. Um, in 2018, we've gone through this other weird shift where we're kind of on like the Eve of what is going to be a shift. So we're going through some other stuff, but I run a team in Newport beach, orange County, best team in real estate, uh, deeply love my people. We have 20 agents. We did 476 million last year, just under 200 transactions. We average selling our houses at 95% sales price to list price. Where the market average of our competition is eighty-five percent, so what we're doing is creating ten percent more to our sellers. And every transaction, we try to create record-breaking success with a perfect and predictable experience. So that being said, I'm going to let Tom ask me questions because I think you know what you want. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So tell him, tell him, and maybe you can diagram like first I did, then I did, then I did, then I did, then I did. Because I think they they maybe need to see you didn't just go assistant. 20 agents on the team. So Okay, so that's a good
4: question. I think this is where everybody needs to ask themselves the question, like what do you want? Because there's two types of teams, and it's all about teams. 2016, Wall Street Journal said teams grew by 42%, individuals shrank by 19%. As we learn, if you have a really highly effective team, there's no way an individual can compete. That being said, I actually have a team within my team. I run a team where I have my own admin people, my showing agents, my my ISAs that I work there and then I have a team and I've constantly been conflicted player coach. And so that's one of the things that's been really troubling is do I play or do I coach, but the team function. But the reason that I started a team is I had the ability, I guess prospecting's always been my thing and I loved the last panel, the one that said mansplain, So I guess I'm gonna mansplain <laughs> to you. Yes. There were just, but the one thing is, is I was always really Okay, I think maybe I had something that shifted in my head where I think some of my agents are maybe too aware, and if I were to go to a function and meet somebody that said, hey, we're thinking about selling, I would feel okay calling them the next morning and asking them, well, I know we talked about that, so I would take them through that process where I think 90% of people would get in the dialogue of their head and talk themselves out of making that call. So I've become and learned a lot with having a team to get through that. But the reason I started a team is because I always could create more selling opportunities than I could actually handle and the way that I wanna handle them where you're making it a perfect and predictable experience, you really need to have the time to do it. So I brought partners on that were probably better at handling the day-to-day of managing expectations and creating a great experience versus me taking them on and being one of 30 listings and just going to get more business and playing that game. So that's how it started. I started bringing agents on and then it goes back, I love your assistant thing, Kyle, like that probably was the best thing that I've heard today. So I would say that's how it started. And I would say that just to take that one step further, the structure that Tom comes up with, it's all this collaboration of people all over the world. It's like, take the structure. Sometimes we'll talk about stuff and he'll say, if it's not compelling, it's not selling. Like, didn't I say that? And then people in New Jersey are saying that and Kyle's saying that, but that's what's great about this organization. There's all this education that we have, but I would say two things, like the two big things I've learned in my career, number one, there's something that you're avoiding. I don't know what it is. We all have things we avoid. It doesn't just show up in our business. It shows up in our marriage. It shows up in our parenting. It shows up in our friendships. Be really, really honest with yourself because the market's going to shift and it's time for you to really be clear with yourself. That's number one. And number two, nothing ventured, nothing gained. It's like, I have so many agents that I see that I'm like, if they just hire an assistant or marketing, if they just understood spending $20,000 having somebody do all the stuff they shouldn't be doing, they could create two or 300,000 more in those commissions. Or if they just had a marketing person that got them three listing appointments per year that they closed one and a half, it would pay for them and more. So nothing venture, nothing gain. And I think the biggest thing is like with my team right now, we're realtors. Like, we should be stoked. This is, in my opinion, for a guy that didn't have a great education, doesn't have a lot of great skill sets. This is, like, the greatest business. It's, like, the sky's the limit. We can do anything. And when I see all these panels and I see the mansplain girl and the pink jacket guy, I see people all walks of life everywhere that if you just have the commitments and you're willing just to do the basics, the NFL, the blocking and tackling which is appointments and contracts and you do that day in day out like a uniform you can be successful and you'll be up here and I come here and I hope everybody feels the same way every time I come to one of these things when we're the number one group for NRT in the world I feel like my business is terrible. I look at all the stuff he tells me, I feel frustrated. I'm like, dude, like I have so much to learn. We make the best videos, but I can't do Instagram live and I do all this stuff and every time I come here, it's like I'm being measured to this measuring stick that I can't really do. You feel that way? Y'all know what he's talking about? Right? You feel that way? And if going back to the one thing, but I feel that way every and I was talking to some people at lunch, Marty and Maxine, I'm like, Maxine, do you guys just feel like shit every time you come to all these things? You hear all these things? Like the 33 seller things, I'm like, why well, do that one? But like I could do that one and I this did that one? one. And I'm like, and I, I went on 272 listing appointments last year, but I'm just not that good, right? So I feel like we all have that. But the one thing that I really learned today is, like, I was there when Gary Vaynerchuk said Netflix. And I love Netflix. I'm not a sleeper. I go through Netflix shows like you have no idea. Like, I'll put the kids down, the wife down, and I'll go through three seasons. <laughs> I'll play them in fast mode. Like, I, I'm, like I, I'm, like, getting ahead of life because I'm playing my Netflix in fast mode. So, like, that's how much I like Netflix. But I was doing something when he was saying this, working on some deal, probably like a $300,000 listing. And I was like, I love Netflix, I should do that. And I call my broker, didn't answer, that I was doing something else and I didn't. So let's be the third, let's be the third. There's a third, a third, and a third. There's of you that are just no's, like just go out, walk out, do something else, if you're a no. But let's not be the second, third, that writes all those notes down and, and puts your ears, like let's go out and just massive action, NFL effort, the guy that reached up to here, like, let's just give it. Let's give it for 90 days and let's see what happens because ultimately, that's what this is about and it's just a simple choice. If not you, then who? If not now, then
0: when, right? Boom, boom. Give all four of them a big round of applause, guys. That was awesome. Okay, questions. Who's got a question? Who's got a question? Are you raising your hand? And by the way, when we're done in about eight or nine minutes, they're going to be standing out here actually probably right over there and you can all just ask them every question you want intimately, okay? Fire away.
1: Um, I just wanted to, I guess, know better that when Jill said learn cost per transaction. Yes. I, I feel like I'm doing well, but I feel like I don't know that. Okay. I need to know that.
0: Jill. How did you figure out your cost per transaction?
1: So I figured out everything that I spent. And I mean right down, you know, I just took my bank account, and since all I do is work, I divided every single dime I spent, and I put it on one side, either the buy side or the list side. You know, whatever, I mean, I don't know if you have payroll, but I attributed some of each of those to that. And I ended up that my listings are costing me about three grand and my buyer deals cost me less. And then I calculated, this is what my commission is. And I realized that, you know, if if the average commission is, is six grand and it's costing me three grand and I'm giving that person half the money, I might as well stay at home. So, yeah.
0: Does that make sense?
1: Yes, and thank you for your coaching. I did 24 transactions last year, and um, just this quarter, we already did that.
0: 24 this quarter? Yes. What a rock star. Fire away.
5: Hi. Okay. I um, joined coaching about 18 months ago. I think I, I don't know, quadrupled my GCI in a year, which was great. So, thank you very much.
0: Congratulations.
5: Um, So, I am now kind of at the million dollar listing or million dollar mark for GCI, which was a huge hurdle for me to get to. And, um, you know, most of mine was working my sphere and referrals and open houses. Those are kind of my three big things, although I know I now need to add another three. So, what's the um, question? What's the question? So, my question is, was there a big, big difference in what you did from going to, from like a million or two million dollars up to being a seven million dollar agent?
0: So what was that difference from two million bucks when you all of a sudden, Kyle, go to four or five?
2: Yeah, I can take that. Um, two things, one, the, when I started to grow an office really big, I hired anybody and everybody to fill that office. I had people that were 21 and 121 years old. It was crazy. I quickly learned the value of culture and i learned what our culture was identified that first and then got rid of everybody who didn't fit that culture and then only hired to that culture and just the year we went from uh, no culture to culture went from 82 to 242 deals just by having the right people in the right place that was a huge part of it the second part of it is there's kind of been a theme of this whole event of track your numbers and know your numbers and we need to know exactly how much we're paying per lead We need to know what kind of return on investments that's giving us. And then we can either pump it or dump it. So last year, we looked, we tried Craigslist again. We're like, let's go hard on Craigslist. We had 1,400 leads. We converted one. That is a huge freaking waste of time and money. So we dumped Craigslist. We looked at Facebook. We had 800 and something leads in Facebook last year. We converted one. Okay, dump that. We looked at Zillow and we converted at a really, really high rate. So we quadrupled our spend on Zillow. Um, so know your numbers. Figure out what's working, what's not, and then when some things work, it pump it. And if it's not working, dump it.
0: I would that's say, it. I, when when you grow, it's about simplification. Who else? Go one, ahead. One thing with that, and this is like a big thing.
4: Like, and this is why what's great. We're in coaching. When you're so busy that you're you you do not have time to think about your business, that's a problem. And when this becomes a business, you have to treat it that way. The biggest quantum leap we had is when I wanted to double my personal business but work half as much. So what do you have to do? It's just, all it is is mapping that out. I needed to have two full-time showing agents so I didn't have to be on showings. And I found when I was on showings all day, even though I'm still at showings, it kept me from doing what I do best, which is negotiating. And so now that I have showing agents, I can pick and choose, I'm always available. Deals get done when you focus hard on them and you can give them all your attention And I tell all my team, it's like when you have a deal, that's like blood in the water. Drop everything else, get it done, move to the next one. But really it's focusing, taking a step back and focusing on your business and seeing what you need. And it's really always math.
0: Yeah. You got it, Carol? Toss it up. That was a good question. Good answers, guys. All right, who's got a question? I'm I'm tossing and then I'm going to come back to you. Oh, thank you, CB. Oh, a little (laughs) bounce to the face. Yeah, you got her. Way to go, coach. (laughs) Shoot! Thanks. Ask your question. We gotta. Be, we're limited on time. Okay. Go.
5: Hiring. I'm. The, I'm a terrible error. I've gone through a lot of assistants.
0: <laughs> Josh, do you want to handle Help. this one?
5: Help me hire somebody good.
0: Any anybody, but Josh has hired 48 assistants. Are you hiring your friends? Are these sorority sisters or? <laughs> do you hear his first question? Are you hiring friends? Are you hiring sorority sisters? No.
3: So um, I would say that the magic is like I said earlier when I was up here talking to you guys, um, it, it's really about ego. Even assistants have egos. There, there are people who have hired assistants who thought that they wanted to be agents because they see these fat five and six figure, sometimes seven figure, in Tim's case, checks coming in that are commissions, and they're saying, well shit, why, why can't I do that? And the truth is that they, they can't do that because they're not cut out for it, but they have to go out there and realize it first. So, how to hire a good assistant is to find somebody with the right experience that fits your business. That's number one. Number two, it's to find somebody who's going to be a good match with you and not try to sort of be you. Um, and number three, somebody who is, you know, uh, well, I mean, it goes without saying, you know, the, they're not going to have any, uh, you know, skeletons in their closet. I've had people who have had sort of like, dark clouds over their lives, you know, the people who get into the back of a cab coming back from a trip with their bag with their laptop and then they get out of the cab late at night and then they get their suitcase out of the trunk, the cab pulls away with their laptop. You know, it's just stupid shit happens to them all the fucking time. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, um, Because that, that naturally will bleed into, you know, your life and your world And, you know, that's kind of like a plague. So you need to just cut it off and move on and find somebody new. And when you find somebody that is good for you and good for your business and you grow together, you need to treat them right.
0: Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Speaking of, Marco.
3: By the way, this is Marco Druzetic from Ruben Team in New York City. Uh, He's been fantastic and actually Tom is a, a part-time matchmaker. Um, you could use a little practice in that, by the way, but in this case, it was winner, winner, chicken dinner.
0: Yeah, love it. Thank you for introducing me to Josh uh, four years ago, and that's how I got back into real estate. Um, and thank you guys for sharing us so much of your secrets in your professional life and how you become uh, successful. But what have you done in, in your personal life to become so successful?
5: Oh, what yeah, would you yeah, say
0: yeah, you, everybody in this room should change Oh, what, what was the change you had to make successful. in your personal life?
3: So Kathy and I have sex Mondays, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. No. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Joe.
1: Tom caused my divorce. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is that a brand of
0: wine? I don't think they heard, they, they heard you and that's perfect. Right. Let's go to the next one. Now, what did you have to change in your personal life to, you know, to take all the... Tim, when I met you, you weren't married, now you have two beautiful children, your life hasn't changed at all. Kyle just had a baby a year and a half, two years ago. Like, so probably the biggest thing is whatever you're avoiding in business, you're
4: avoiding in your personal life. So like go back to that. And there's always things we're pre- pre- pretending that we don't know about ourselves. You do. So like get real with yourself, right? One, but two, like Tom is the master of like there's, we all get blinders like, literally, when we sat down in 2017, we want to have a team that does a billion in sales. Math, 40, 22 agents, 42 listing appointments, 25 listings taken, 15 listings sold, 10 buyer sales, billion, easy, right? But now, how can I do it working half the time, but produce more? Because my, my beliefs wouldn't allow me to do that. It's like, in my mind, it's like, you can't work less and make more. It doesn't make sense, right? Does that make sense? It's like, one plus one is three? But like literally, I worked half the time and just like Kyle, I don't work nights and weekends anymore. Every once in a while I do. If I have the right person that I have to see, but it's like I'll take calls when I put the kids down. I don't take appointments. You don't need to do that. That's where you need to find somebody that can do the work that you don't want to do. And so that for me in my personal life, because as realtors, we all think we have to like, die on our sword, work seven days a week, sleep, eat, breathe, get heavy, you can't go to the gym. That's just
0: actually not true. Kyle, what about you? What changes in your personal life?
2: So for me, it's all about the morning routine. Um, I just had surgery on my elbow a week ago and I didn't get to follow my morning routine and it like fucked my whole world up. I didn't even know how to function when I'd wake up in the mornings, I didn't know what to do. But for me, it's three things. I need to turn my mind, my body, and my heart on every single morning. So I wake up, 4.55, Sharon Srivatsa puts on this amazing 5 a.m. club call. If you guys aren't part of it, you need to jump on it. Uh, 5amclub.net. It's great. It's a quick five-minute call with a motivational message, tells a quick story, and it just turns my brain on. It gets me going. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. Um, I'm a big Peloton fan. Tom's got a Peloton, half the people in this room have them. If you don't have a Peloton, get one. I'll give you a code too, by the way. Um, (laughs) But working out right after that 5 a.m. club call has been huge for me. And I get it done, like the Peloton's great. I have a two-year-old. I don't necessarily have a lot of time. So anything I can do to be more efficient with my time, I'm big on. So the fact that I can hop on a bike in my office at the house and ride, and then, as soon as I'm done riding, my body is turned on. Now my daughter's waking up, and now I get to spend an hour with my daughter. So I wake up, 5 a.m. club turns my brain on, the peloton ride turns my body on, and an hour with my daughter before I go to work turns my heart on. By the time I show up to the office, like I'm locked and loaded. There's no like, oh, do you guys want to go get Starbucks? I'm just like, I show up, and it's just put my headset on and let's fucking go.
0: Okay. Well, there you have it. Insights from some of the best agents on the planet. As always, if you've got more questions, these men and women are participating aggressively and all the time in all of my social channels. So hit them up on Instagram or on Twitter. You can pretty much find all of them just at their name on all those different channels. Ask them more questions and ask me more questions as well. Thank you so much for listening. You might want to share this with a few of your veteran friends to get them inspired and fired up. And we'll look forward to talking to you on the next podcast.